go right into um, uh, it's going to be a two-week series. Uh, this week and next week, called First Things First. It's, uh, it's going to be around the idea of uh, new beginnings, new year. Um, and so let's pray. God, thank you again for the time together, the time to lift up your name, to, to, to honor you, to worship you. And I pray, God, again, that you would come and speak to us, Lord, that your word come alive, Lord, as we, as we see you and we look to you, Lord, I pray, God, for those divine priorities to each one of us, Lord, that we would uh, live to honor you, God, touch us, and speak to the power of your word, to the power of your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Who's made New Year's resolutions so far? Who's broken already? <laughs> a few hours and up, oh, I'll um, it is funny that we have New Year's resolutions. Um, I think we all, whether we write them down, some people are very serious about it. They, they write it down and they, you know, these goals, and it's almost like they make this kind of New Year declaration. And uh, some people, whether you do it or not, you have it in your mind. Mentally, you're, you're processing, um, you know, what you want to do or what you would like to do. Um, but with the resolutions, comes a lot of like worry and anxiety. You ever deal with that too? I have the resolutions, but the worry is how long is this going to last? Right? You're like me. Anybody else? Am I confessing? Okay. All right. I'm, I'm feeling better just letting it, letting it out here. So, but isn't it interesting? We're going to eat better. Maybe, you know, exercise more. We're going to be better with my money if I get out of debt. Maybe improve relationships, maybe some spiritual things, you know, read the Bible more, pray more. All of those are good, but a lot of times when we approach those things, we, we approach it and it feels like there's a mountain that's in front of us, right? And we, we get overwhelmed, and that's why so many people give up so soon, or they might get kind of in a part of it and they feel shame. And it kind of goes along with the words that were given this morning about, you know, the condemnation and the shame. And because what we can do is we can see the mountain in front of us and feel very hopeless. Because what is our focus? We, we, we get our eyes on the wrong thing. We focus on what isn't right. Right? So we, we begin negatively. We focus on what this isn't right. Like, you know, and you guys know the number one resolution is what? Lose weight, right? Yeah, I'm going to lose weight and lose weight in the first six months and gain it all back in the next six months, right? It's kind of what we do. But what we do is we, we, we have this unhappiness or we, we begin on a negative foot of what's wrong with me. That, that, I think, is why it becomes a mountain in front of us that overwhelms us is because we're focusing on what needs to change or what's wrong. Now, I'm not saying it's not, you know, that, that we have an evaluation of ourselves, but instead we need to focus on the one who can change us and transform us. Amen? Isn't that good? That's the, that's the good stuff right there. We're good to begin with. Yeah, thank you. Let's get excited. But we focus on what, what's wrong with us instead of on the one who can change us. And I'm not saying goals aren't good. They're, they're good. Hard work is a great virtue. And so why is it that we struggle with keeping our resolutions? You know, God does want us to take care of our bodies. It's a stewardship issue. He wants us to be good stewards and managers of everything He's given us with our money. And so why the battle? And as I said a couple weeks ago, if you were here, part of this issue is that we are, we, we're in a lifelong battle until we are with the Lord. 
Paul says that in Romans 7. That's where we... It doesn't, matter, it doesn't mean that we can't have victory or that we're not overcomers, but he says you know, the, the, the battle of the flesh and the spirit man are always at odds with each other. And the only time that's not true is when your flesh man is no longer alive and death. And so as long as we're alive, we have the battle that's going on. It's continually, continually battling. That's why Paul said we're in a war the armor of God or you know, the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God doesn't mean that we can't have victory, but the battle should remind us of how much we need Jesus, the one who can change us, because we're only overcomers because He overcame. We're only more than conquerors, and those are true promises, because He is the great conquering King. We can't do it in and of ourselves. We need Him. And so what happens is we approach the change, the transformation, the change with the wrong motive. A lot of times I want to lose weight because I want to look good, right? Beach body. That's right. Everybody get your beach body. I'm like, you're in Minnesota. It's cold in June. It's called a lake body or something. I don't know. But it's to, to look good instead of honoring Jesus and being available to Him with my body, stewarding my body to be able to, to be available to Him to do the things that He wants to do with me, right? That's to be our motivation is that I want to honor the Lord and not just have these superficial ideas of what it means to change and transform. And so a new year, it is a time to reset our priorities, but I think we have to do it for the right reasons, the right motivations, to live for and honor Jesus. Our key verse for this week and next week is something that Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. We're all pretty familiar with this, but seek first what? Jesus is saying this in the Sermon on the Mount. First things first. You know, whenever you say that, first things first is what you're doing is you're establishing something before I move forward, before I do anything else. First things first, I'm going to get this in order. And Jesus is saying, first things first is you need to seek my kingdom. And the righteousness that I bring, His kingdom, His righteousness, and He says, all these other things will be added to you because He goes on to say, remember, if you're reading the Sermon on the Mount, what is He saying? Don't worry. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, drink, you know, don't worry about the stuff. He says, look at the, look at the birds, look at, look at, look at the, you know, all of creation and God clothes creation, He feeds the birds. He says, don't, don't worry about those things. And so there's this idea that don't let anxiety and worry rule you. Anybody struggle with that one? He says, seek for the kingdom of God, His righteousness. All these other things will be added to you because you have first things first. You have the right idea, the right priority. But what happens is we we want God and we want His kingdom, but a lot of times it's not the very first thing that we focus on in our lives. That's why in the Old Testament, everything... Don't you love that the Old Testament just points to Jesus as a neon sign that points to the reality of Christ? And today we're going to get into that when we talk about the Jewish New Year and what they did and what they celebrated. And so everything points to Christ and you have the idea of first fruits. Remember, that's where we get the tithe. The first, the first 10% of my income I give to the Lord. That's, what, that's the tithe. Tithe means 10. It's just saying He gets the first, He gets the best. I give him my first fruit, and, and then he blesses everything else because what, what the idea of, of, of tithing is that I trust the Lord again, and it is to advance the kingdom. It's how God uses it so 
divine system that has just been brilliant for thousands and thousands of years. But it's saying that I trust God that I give Him my person because He can do more with 90% than I can with 100. That means He's first. His kingdom is first. His righteousness is first. He's first in all things in my life. And that's what Jesus said. That seek first with Him the first thing. Give Him ever the first the best of your life. And then don't worry. Because when, when you are putting Him first, when first things first, when Jesus is first things first, what Jesus has been saying is then that worry begins to wash away. Anxiety, all that stuff, begins to wash away from you because you're seeking Him first. It's a great New Year passage. Seek Him first. Let Him lead you. Give your life to Him. Everything in your life, your relationships, your finances, your employment, your calling in His kingdom, your goals, your resolutions. Seek Him first. Seek Him first. So we're going to look today, um, if you've read through scriptures, who's here heard of Rosh Hashanah? Okay. The Jewish New Year. Or the, if you're reading the, the Bible and you come across the Feast of Trumpets, anybody familiar with that? You ever read the Old Testament and some of that and you're like, how, how does this... How does this apply to me? Right? Because the Old Testament, it does apply to us. We don't just remove the Old Testament. There's lots of things in there that point directly to our walk with the Lord, how Jesus fulfilled that. But it's interesting that that's the Jewish New Year is Rosh Hashanah, or the Feast of Trumpets. And the time frame is about September, October of the, Jew, the Jewish New Year. And they celebrate this New Year. And they would do things that I'm going to uh, I'm, I'm going to talk about that point to Jesus. Interestingly enough, let me just kind of so the Jewish New Year, it was a two-day celebration, the Jewish New Year to declare God's sovereignty. It was a time of remembrance. It was just declaring through the shofar blasts and the feast of trumpets where they would blast and what they would say, the sovereignty that he alone is king, remembrance of what he has done. And in a moment, I'm going to talk about the shofar blast because they were definition that they, they kind of sound the alarm of why they would do that. But the shofar blast was meaning pointed to Christ. Everything in the Old Testament is a neon sign pointing to Jesus. Just like we celebrated each time the Passover. Remember, they would celebrate the Passover and they were sacrifice a lamb. And Jesus became the Passover and he fulfilled the Passover. And we saw and we see him fulfilling the Passover. Rosh Hashanah means head of the year. Kind of beginning. It's interesting that they use the word head of the year because in the Bible it says we're the body of Christ and he's the head of the church. Jesus. He's the head. He's first. First things first. It's Jesus first. Jesus first. So we're going to look at these trumpets down these blasts when they would these, when they would do this. How it what they were saying and how it points to Christ and what they speak to us as we begin this year and we talk about Jesus being first, first things first. And so they would blast these trumpets and, and, and this, this feast of trumpets. And let's look at the first one. The first, the, the first blast they would, they would sound is they would say, God is the one and only King. God is the one. They are making a declaration. They, they are saying that God is, 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 is the one true living God. And when they would blast the trumpet, they would make that declaration. God is the one and only King. And they would bring it in. It was a festival. They would celebrate. And um, just like we celebrate New Year, a lot of times they would give gifts of apples dipped in honey because they would say, we want this to be a sweet year. 
And we want God's sweetness. We want His presence. But God is the one and only King. There's no other God. And Jesus fulfilled this. Jesus fulfilled this being supreme over all. In Colossians 1, this is what Paul says. He says about it. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created, and He is supreme over all creation. For through Him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see. He made the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through Him and for Him. He existed before anything else. He holds all creation together. Christ is also what? There it is. The head of the church. Rosh Hashanah. Head of the year. Which is His body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So He is what? First in everything. First things first, let Jesus be first. Let Him be the King of your life. The question is, is He supreme in your life? Is He God of your life. And that's what they would say is God is the one and only God. And is Jesus your supreme God, the God of your life, the Lord of your life? When we talk about making Jesus Lord and Savior, is He Lord of your life? That's the question that we ask ourselves. And so as we begin to think that this new year, first things first, is Jesus supreme in your life? Also, the blast meant this. It was called the Great Alarm Clock. It was when they would the 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 beats of the trumpets and they would make this declaration. They would blow these trumpets and then so this was the next part is the great alarm clock to wake us up from our slumber and return once again to God. In Romans three, we see the the, the personal wake up call to each of our hearts. So this is a very personal thing, and, and so isn't it interesting again? The Jews were doing this for thousands of years before, and then when Christ came, and then Paul is writing. Paul is a Pharisee. Paul, he was he was a head Pharisee, head Jew, and so in these writings, he's revealing that Christ was fulfilling the Feast of Trumpets. And so the great alarm clock. That's when when you see these the, the way Paul words things, he's pointing to the reality of that. He said, "Love does no wrong to others, but love fulfills the requirements of God's law." This is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Wake up. And so he's pointing Christ being uh, the fulfillment of the Feast of Trumpets, the Rosh For our salvation is nearer now than we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will still be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of living right. Of right living. So this personal wake-up call, this personal alarm clock. And it's easy for us to get into spiritual slumber, apathy, complacency, and as guilty as anyone. Busyness can distract us from first things first. And that's where we have to make Him our priority. And that's what, when they would make that, when they would make that trumpet blast and they would say, this is an alarm clock to wake up. And we all need that wake-up call in our lives to say, Jesus, maybe there's areas that you have not been priority, but I want to make you priority. I want to live for you and your kingdom. In the new year, we allow God to wake up our heart to what he is doing. And then even Jesus said, here's kind of the wake-up call to the mission that we call to us the church. So we have a personal wake-up call, but here's what Jesus said. You know the same four months between planting and harvest, but I say what? What did he say? Wake up. Some of you guys need to wake up right now, right? Stay with me. Wake up. 
and look around. The fields are already ready for harvest. So Jesus is saying, there's a mission for my church, my people. You are called to look out there and look at the harvest and they are ripe for harvest and wake up. And so there's this trumpet call to wake up personally and to the vision and mission of which he's called us to, to advance the gospel to our world. The third thing is a reminder to dedicate themselves to God and his word. The Jews would recommit themselves to learn the Torah. The Torah, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, was the, the law. It's God is creator, Genesis, Exodus, now God you know, um, brought his people out of slavery, and then he gave them the law. So here are the standards in which to live by. Christ is in the Torah. When Jesus said, I'm the living word, you know what he said? I'm the living Torah. I fulfill all that. In Genesis, Jesus is creator, Exodus, when we have the idea that they are in bondage and slavery, and they, they would sacrifice the lamb and put it over the doorpost, remember? And the angel of death is asked, he reveals all that, he fulfills all that. If he's the lamb of God, would we accept his sacrifice that we are free from bondage and slavery in Jesus' name? That's good news. He's in Genesis, Exodus, and then he fulfills the law. And he gives us standards. We love him when we live by his standards. And so, when they would make this, this, this declaration, this trumpet sound, it was to rededicate ourselves to learn the Torah, to remember the Torah. And we remember Jesus who fulfilled the law as the living word. But he also gave us his word. So, then personally, what it means to us is just a new commitment to know God's word. I encourage you to read the word of God. Get his word in your heart. A couple of passages, Hebrews 4, 12, for the word of God is alive. It's powerful, sharper than him, sharper to it, so cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, exposes our inner thoughts and desires. Second Timothy 3, all scriptures God breathed and its useful teaching, reviews and correcting and training us in life so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, for everything that God's called to need to know the word. That's, that's how he reveals himself. The primary way he does that is through his word. And so I encourage you to read the Word of God. Lots of different ways to do it. If you don't have a reading plan, you can, I mean, if you have a smartphone, you can download a, a Bible app called Version, and you can pick, you can pick the one-year Bible, or you can buy a one-year Bible if you want to read, you know, um, the hard Bible. But things are going to become obsolete. You're going to have all your books on this thing anymore. It's in the future. Like, what is this bound thing here? What is this? And I can turn pages. Turning my on. Um, but you can download the version. I read through the one year Bible every year. It's, it's a way to read the, the, the Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, probably takes you about 15 to 20 minutes to read. If you're, you, know, you can take longer and meditate. Sometimes I write things down with the Lord and maybe speaking. Um, and you can do that and use that to journal, right? But I'm Christian. They get on a Bible reading plan and let the Word of God. Be in your heart and in your mind, meditating on it, knowing God's Word, memorizing God's Word, but letting it change you. And something with this, this trumpet blast would just say, we're going to be rededicating ourselves to God's Word. The next one is this remember the voice of the prophets that called them back to God. So, this is that, that the idea of repentance. And so when they would when they would sound this this next trumpet, they would, they would, they would make this declaration of remember what the prophets said. And, and in the again in the Old Testament, what were the, the the prophets? Their primary call was to call the people of Israel back to God. 
because the tendency was for them to stray out do their own thing, become God of their own lives, and God raised up prophets to speak to the people to say, come back to God. All throughout, when you're reading the prophets, and, and then you're in that in that Old Testament, and yet it's specifically those calls to Israel because of the disobedience. But allow God to say, Lord, what are you saying? You're calling me, you're continually calling me to yourself. And again, you now we have the power of the Holy Spirit, and part of what the Holy Spirit does is He convicts us and He calls us, calls us hearts back to the Lord. This is what, when the church started in Acts, this is what Peter said, repent and return to God so that your sins may be wiped out. The times of destruction may come from the Lord and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus himself. And so this idea of repent. You know, Jesus, we, we have we had we have prophet era, we have priest era, we have king era, and Jesus is the ultimate prophet, priest, and king. When he began his ministry, it says that from that time forward he began to preach himself, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. And so, what is repentance? It's, uh, it's forsaking the way we're doing it, and we're going toward the Lord. We're saying, I want to live for Jesus. Interestingly enough, here's the next part of last day. But remember the sacrifice, Isaac on the altar, that God provides, that he was to hold at Jireh. That's where we had that, that word, Jireh, Jireh, the Lord provides. You know the story, Abraham. God tells Abraham, take this, your son who you love, Isaac, go and take him on to the mountain and sacrifice him. Of course, this is Abraham who couldn't have any children, and God gives him this child, he and Sarah, and this is the child that he loves, and he's, and now God's saying, and now sacrifice him, and, 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 and so Abraham's obedient, and he takes him to the altar up on top of the mountain, raises the knife, and the angel of the Lord stops him, right? And says, I know that you're going to be obedient, so God was testing his heart, and then over on the side there was a ram whose horns were caught in this thicket, and God says, use the ram for the sacrifice. And so they sat and God provided. Instead of Isaac dying, God provided a ram for sacrifice. He sees Jesus in that. Instead of us having to die for our own sins, because sin equals death. Instead of us dying for our own sins, God has provided the lamb for us so that we would not have to be sacrificed. We would not have to die. We would not have to be eternally without Christ. But we remember this idea that points us to Jesus' sacrifice. This is how God showed his love among us. I love this passage. This is how God proved his love. You want proof that God loves you? Here it is. This is how God showed his love. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That we don't have to take our own judgment. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and His love is made complete in us because this is a twofold trumpet sound. It was to remember the sacrifice. They would remember, they remember what Isaac, Abraham and Isaac did, and God provided the lamb or the ram and that he was given to Jairus. They also gave their hearts because there was a Messiah coming. And of course, we know that Jesus fulfilled that. But here's also the, the, the second part of that, and you see that we are to love one another. It says that remember God's sacrifice, and then also live as a sacrifice to one another. That we should love each other and lay our lives down for each other. That's what the New Testament tells us as the church, is that we are to continually lay down our lives for each other. Isn't that cool? John 13, what does Jesus do before he's killed? 
He washes his disciples and becomes a servant to them. We are to serve one another. That's a part of being a believer and follower of Jesus. The next trumpet blast declared the awesomeness of God. The history that, that, that He is the Creator, that He's over all creation, that we are the created and, and, and not the Creator. And that's what they, they would remind themselves that we, He's the Creator, we're not. Remember, in Israel's history, their disobedience was that they would become God. They would say, I want to be God in my own life. We will be God. We're better at being God than you. And God is saying, No, you're not. And that ultimately points us all through sinfulness. Sinfulness is saying, I will be in control of my own life. I will call the all my own thoughts. I will do whatever I want to do. And ultimately, that leads to death and destruction. And so they would declare the awesomeness of God. Basically, you are the creator, you're created. We need to remind ourselves of that. And here, again, from Colossians 1, here's about Jesus. For through him, God created everything in the heaven and realms on the earth. So Jesus is fully man, fully God, and he was a part of creation. He made the things we can see, the things we can see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him, including us. You were created by Jesus and for Jesus. You're created to bring Him glory. And that's that first thing's first, is that I want to make you first in my life. You created me for yourself. We're not created for ourselves. We're not created to become God of our own lives. We're not created to do whatever we think we want to do. We're created for Him, by Him, to bring Him glory, to the awesomeness of God. Knowing that Jesus created galaxies, but He created our innermost being, He formed us. His awesomeness everywhere reminds us of Him when we see a sunrise, a sunset, when we see the grandeur of creation, mountains, we see God's handiwork, and we say, how awesome you are. The next trumpet was this. It was introspection. It was an examining of my heart. And we we all need to do this. I think every day is just a good thing to say, God, I want to be in right relationship with you, and I want to be in right relationship with others. Right? God, help me to be in right relationship with you, right relationship with others. This is what David said. He says, search me, God, know my heart. This is introspection. Test me and know my ancient heart. See if there's any offensive way in me and then lead me in the way of everlasting. I want to be right with you. That's why Jesus in Matthew 18, when he says, if you have offense with a brother or sister, if there's somebody that you are offended with and you are and not in good relationship. There's a relationship broken down. Jesus said, before you come, um, because, you know, he said, before you bring a gift to the altar, with the idea is before you come to me, you need to get things right as far as it's concerned with you. Now, they may not want anything to do with it, but as far as it's concerned with you, you got to go make those things right. And so it's an introspection of my heart saying, God, I want to be, is there anything in between us, Lord? Allow him to point those things out and say, God, help me to make those things right. And then, Lord, is there anything between me and someone else that's unresolved? Do I need to forgive? Do I need to ask for forgiveness? And so we need to do that. Those are just right relationship with God, right relationship with others. That Jesus, our relationship with him is first and foremost, allow him to search our hearts. The next one was this, the celebration that God is the one who saved. They would cry out that, that God is the one who saves. The reminder again for us is that, that Jesus sacrificed He's the only way to heaven. Corinthians 5.21 God made Him who had no sin to be sin for us. Guys, He took on our sinfulness. 
because of our shame, our guilt, our past, our failures. Isn't that awesome? God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sinful, so that in him we might become righteous God. In other words, that we could be right before God because of Jesus. Always because of Jesus. First things first, it's always because of Jesus. He's the only one that saves. saves. What an incredible trade that we have Christ. And we're free from not only our past, we're not, not only free from our, our sin and our shame, but we're free from judgment because of Christ. And we get to inherit eternal life. Then the last one was this. They called this the scream. And a part of this, they would... They would yell. Uh, there was this kind of, I mean, this, this kind of holy scream to the Lord as a part of this trumpet blast. And what it was was it, it was it was a reminder that Earth is temporary, and there was a longing to be with God. They would get the idea that this place was temporary, and they would this kind of holy scream saying, God, we, we understand that you created us for something more than just this. We are created more for just this earth. Now, while we are on the earth, we are told that we have a plan and a purpose and we're all alive and here today because God's intention was for us to be here at this time in history and he has a plan and purpose for us to accomplish. That we make the most of every opportunity that we of spreading the gospel, the good news of Jesus while we are alive. That's why we're here to bring glory to Him, created for Him and by Him. But there's this idea, this thing in our heart that we say, God, I understand that there's more to this life than just this life. And I live for eternity. Colossians 3, Paul says, since then, you have been raised with Christ. Put your heart on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Put your mind on things above, not on earthly things. It's easy for us to live there, isn't it? That's why we sometimes resolutions, those things, and we do it for the wrong reasons because we set our mind and our heart on earthly things. Now, we can't completely remove those because we're living in the here and now. We, we have to provide and work and, you know, bring home the bacon, buy it up in the pan. Some of you guys are old school people know what I'm talking about. Kids are like, what? Um, but we have to, we have, you know, there's schooling, there's, there's the real things of this life that we have to live in. But what Paul is saying is continually remind yourself, set your heart, your mind on the things of God. Don't live with this life, is what he's saying. Because one day, this life will be no more. Either we will die or Christ is going to return. And one day, we will see him face to face. One day, everything that he promised is going to come true. And again, if he carries it, it's a long time before he returns. All of us are going to come to our end time. We're all going to have an end time. And that's when we breathe our lives. And we go from this life to the next life. And guys, I want to be ready to meet him. I want to do everything that he's called me to do. I'm going to live on purpose and on intentionality for him. I want to love him with all my heart. I want to be in right relationship with him and others. And I'm going to set my mind on the things above. Paul says, for you die, your life is not hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is alive, appears, then you also appear with Him in glory. Did you catch that last sentence? When Christ, what? Say that aloud. The second part. When Christ, who is your life. You see what Paul is saying? Is He your life? He's not saying, is he a part of your life? Is he 
attached uh, a piece of your life. It's a part of your life on Sunday. It's a part of your life on Wednesday when you come and do church things. Is he your life? That's what Paul said. When he's your life, when he is your life, you will appeal to him in glory. So we have to make him our very life. God, I give you everything. Christ, I give you everything. I want you to be my life. And when you appear, it will be with you in glory. That we are created. We are eternal beings. This is not a permanent home. Is Jesus your life? Is He your Lord? Is He your Savior? Is He your first priority? Is He first things first for you? If not, begin this year by saying, first things first. Jesus is going to be me and you. I'm going to walk every day with you. And guess what? You're going to have to get up tomorrow. Jesus, first things first. Every day, begin with Him. First things first, God, I'm going to walk with you. I guarantee you, as you do that, and you're going to stumble. You'll have days where it's hard. You might have weeks that it's hard. But as you get back up and you continue to fix your eyes on Him, I guarantee you, you'll get to the end of this coming to this new year, and you'll say, close to the Lord. I'm close to the Lord. I'm walking in greater vision and weight, walking in, in, the, in the things that He has for me. Is He your first things first? Will you stand with me as we pray? With you. Let's just dedicate this year to the Lord as we start this new year as, as, as individuals, as married people, as families. Jesus, we love you and we worship you, God. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, Lord, that all those things that, the, that we see in the Old Testament, we read, it all points to you. It all points to our life for you. And Lord, today as a church, as a people, we dedicate 2017 as a year to the Lord. Or that individually we would walk with you, that you would be our life, you would be our Lord, you would be our Savior, you would be first. Lord, you'd be first in our thoughts, you'd be first in our, with, with, with our time and our talents, you'd be first in our resources and our money. God, that we would trust you enough to so walk with you and I'd give my heart my life to you each and every day. So, Lord, I pray a blessing over this for you. And here's the thing, here's the, here's the, Here's the condition to all this, and the Jews understood this. If God isn't first, if it's not first things first, you can't expect His blessings if you don't make Him first. They understood that. That was a part of this declaration. If you don't make Him first, you can't expect His blessings. And there's a lot of times we want His blessings without making Him first. It doesn't work that way. Lord, I pray that we would make you first every day. Lord, thank you that for the redemption that we have, Lord. When we, if we stumble and fall, when we stumble and fall, we can get back up and we can fix our eyes on you that you can forgive us and walk us and cleanse you. So, Lord, as we look ahead, we pray that this will be a year for you in our each of our lives in this church and the things that you call us to. And we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus, and the Lord said, Amen, and Happy New